What we do as speech coaches is to help people be much more engaging, effective, and confident speakers. We don't coach people to be something they're not. We coach them to be the best versions of themselves. Does your audience want information, a lot of logic? We are communication coaches, speech coaches. We have a lot of different hats. We here want to help people. We want to give them tips, tools, and techniques that would make them more impactful, more effective, and build their confidence. We know each other well as friends and also in terms of our expertise as coaches. That's why we're together here with you. Welcome to the Speech Queens. Do you need to be more effective, interesting, and successful both professionally and personally? Well, you've come to the right place. The Speech Queens are here to elevate your communication. Now, here they are. Lori Schloff, Tori Hollingworth, and Janine Grabley. Hello, Boston and beyond. Welcome to the Speech Queens. My name is Tori Hollingworth. I am one of a trio of royalty here at the Boston 617 Podcast Studios. And I'm here with Deneen Grabley, who is the Duchess of Speech. And my dear, dear friend, Miss Lori Schloff, who's the Queen of Speech. And I must tell our listeners that, that uh, excuse me, Lori is actually in Florida on assignment. This is true. It sounds like it might be malarkey, as Joe Biden yeah. might say. But she's actually uh, down in Florida about to embark on a large coaching gig. But she was kind enough to join us virtually. So if she sounds a little different, it's because she is calling in. Today we're going to focus on corporate storytelling, one of my favorite workshops to facilitate for my clients, the lost art of storytelling. A lot of people don't realize that it actually is quite a valuable tool for engagement, for communicating what we call pathos, emotion. It's a great sales technique, and it's also a wonderful way to get people to understand you, your passion, and really start to see things from your perspective. I always say when I do sales training, people buy things, listen to, and are influenced by people they like. Mm-hmm. Very true. This is why it's mm-hmm. critical not only to build rapport with your listeners, but to work on what we call pathos, passion, enthusiasm for your topic. If you don't have it, how are they going to have it? Can I interrupt for a second here? So podcast, you're welcome to partake. Can you? (laughs) Well, thank you, (laughs) fellow queen. What is corporate storytelling? And I ask this because I think when people hear this, they think, oh, storytelling, I'm telling a story to my kids before bedtime. So can you just tell a little bit more what you mean by corporate storytelling? Absolutely. I'd be more than happy to after I hear what Lori thinks it is. And it's not because I don't know what it is, but I think it might mean different things to different people. So Lori, what's your perspective? Okay. So when I think of corporate storytelling, I think of having clients uh, or any speaker in order to connect and engage with an audience, telling some sort of real story that involves a beginning, maybe a challenge that was overcome or a success story in order for the listener, as you said, to feel something. So they're connected to the speaker 
not only with the information she shares, but also emotionally. Spot on. That's excellent. And, you know, it's so interesting. So my approach when I am a trainer with a group and we're covering corporate storytelling, which I am doing next Monday and Tuesday, ironically, Mm. is I will ask them to come prepared with a story about their line of business, their product, whatever Mm -hmm. it might be. Now, the fascinating thing is I don't give much detail in terms of what I'm looking for. I just simply say, come prepared to give five minutes of your story. And each person comes with a completely different approach in terms of what they think a story is. And then we go through, okay, what makes a story? It has to be authentic, as Lori said, needs to be short. If you're naturally funny, could be humorous. It needs to tie in or have a theme or a meaning to what the objective or goal of the communication interaction is. Are you there to inform? Are you there to persuade? Are you there to sell? Are you there to persuade someone to not do something? What is the goal? A lot of times what I find is that the clients are missing the main part of the story. So quite often someone will come in and they will tell you who they are. Mm They'll tell you what they do or what their product does or what their company does. But what they miss is that inner pathos of why. Why do they do what they do? Mm. What gets them out of bed in the morning? What do they tell their colleagues or friends they do? What trends are they seeing in the industry? These are all thought-provoking questions that then lead into retooling their stories into a more meaningful why. Mm, I like that. So, Tori, if I understand correctly, that why is to help them get more engagement, to get more passionate and have that come out as opposed to just being robotic. I work for XYZ company and this is my title. This is to really tap into their emotions so they can then tap into the emotions of the listener. Draw them in. Exactly. Love that. So I'll give you an example. Mm hmm. Some some folks who've worked with me might know this, but it's a prime example of what a what a corporate story could morph into. I asked some software executives to come tell their story. These were leaders in industry. And this one guy who was in financial services, I won't say his name, but he was a wonderful person. And he, he came in and he said, well, we offer CRM, best in class, interface, da 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 Over my head, I'm not listening. <laughs> I'm like, all right, where do I begin with this? Like <laughs> acronyms? Uh, anyway, so then we went through the, the piece that I just explained, which is what do you tell your friends and colleagues you do? What gets you out of bed in the morning, et cetera, et cetera. So then he went and retooled his story and he came in and his story then shifted to this. Literally, he said, you know, when I was in college, I came up with this idea for customer service banking on a software platform that I thought would really transform the banking industry. And my college roommate and I worked on it together on weighing technology, he said, which shows how old I am. Mm. And we failed at it. We just couldn't get it right. It was too complex. I came to this company because this company created that product. Mm. Love that. Yeah, so much, so much more in, in touch, so much more I can kind of relate, even though I wasn't there. Very powerful, right? Yeah. So that is the art of corporate storytelling. It's not really necessary for every, you know, when you're doing a meeting update, doesn't necessarily have to be a success story, but uh, 
corporate success or uh, company or client success stories are fabulous examples. Say you have someone who has a very similar dilemma that you know your product or your helpfulness or your knowledge could be helpful for, you can promote it in a way that's more abstract, not as direct and very clear to follow. Do you guys want to hear what Tyrion from Game of Thrones said about storytelling in the final oh, yeah. episode oh, of the please show? Do. Yes. There's, there's nothing in the world more powerful than a good story. Nothing can stop it. And that's why the, I forget his name, the guy who ascended to the throne um, in Game of Thrones because he, he had the most stories and he had the power. And if you don't mind me chiming in, Queens, this is producer Dave. Please. This is what I do all day. Podcasting is about telling stories. And to it's to me, it's the detail. To me, you can lose someone right away if, if they tell you, I'm going to tell you the four best ways to use LinkedIn and other social media today. And it's like, and then they just start talking in abstract. And rather than saying there was one moment when I got introduced to the CEO of Radio Shack, I was in my pajamas, I was drinking a cup of coffee, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden I was... By the way, Radio Shack, bad example. They're out of business. <laughs> I, have no idea. I have no idea. I actually have a that. client who started there, and now he's doing very well. You, okay. get, you get the point. The more details, the more story. You guys have said it, but beginning, middle, and an end, people are going to want to last all the way till the end of your talk. So true, and they'll remember it. So when someone gives just, you know, here are the four reasons why someone should uh, you know, use LinkedIn, LinkedIn, here are the benefits. It's just very dry and very rote. But if you tell the story, then it really does resonate. And it, it's a wonderful way to create engagement. Mm. Lori, what mm-hmm. are your thoughts here on storytelling? Well, one of the things that maybe um, Queens you've noticed is some people get a little uptight about this. They feel, well, I can't tell a story. So sometimes it's great just to start small. Tell a little anecdote, and I always say, go through life like uh, Dave or Jerry Seinfeld, and sort of notice little things that happen in your life, and how does it relate to your business message? Do you want me to give you a quick example? I would love it. Okay, so one of the things uh, all of us teach is how to be expressive, you know, how to use vocal variety so that you don't sound boring, and I always tell this story, so here's an example of, you know, I get tired after work. And when my daughter was a little girl and I read books to her at night, I would go, blah, 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 blah. And she looked at me indignantly at the age of five and said, Mom, talk like you talk at work. (laughs) From the mouth of babes. It's not long. It was from my own life. It's about my kids. So what I'm telling the listeners is, you don't have to be a brilliant storyteller. You don't have to be Mark Twain. That's so true. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So I, don't, I, I just don't want people to feel intimidated maybe by the word um, story. Still, they do use coach. Do you find that people need um, a little push from the coach? For sure they need a, a push. They Well, there's there's a little, as I said, there's a little mystery around what how storytelling intersects with the corporate world mm. and presentations and business presentations. So that's part of it. And then the second is to find their inner voice. And I would say our training really does that. Like we want each person to tell their own individual corporate story, not walk out of there with a formula or everyone saying the same story. It needs to resonate from you and from your heart. 
and then people will be able to believe it and and stay with you and understand you. I, I love that, Tori. I, I imagine, and in, in my experience, though, corporate storytelling is not my area of expertise, but being able to tap into those emotions would help them be a better speaker overall. No, Absolutely. Because they're being much more authentic. Authentic yeah. and passionate. Yeah. So I always say with folks who get bogged down in the details or some people have gone through a very regimented sales training technique, mm. they'll think in their mind, you know, in fact, there's a, I've, I've been doing a two day sales presentation skills training course all over the country for the last six or eight months for a company because they've been drilled on this very regimented sales technique. And they know it inside and out, but when they get up to present, they're like one robot after another. And literally you can almost see them checking the boxes of what they need to cover from the sales technique as they're speaking versus speaking from the heart giving it that pathos. And it reminds me so much of some of our political speakers when they have the credibility, they have the the plan, quote unquote, yeah. or whatever, but there's something missing. And quite often people can't put a finger on it. I can put a finger on it immediately. It's inner pathos, inner connectivity to what they are saying. Mm-hmm. If you don't believe it or you don't sound like you believe it, how are your voters going to believe it? Yep. Yeah, I, I love that trade. It just it made me think of very often when I am working with clients, you know, they, they are they're talking in their corporate speak. They're very technical. Guarded. And, and, yeah. And they have such a hard time getting their message across. And I often just will have to say to them, just tell me in your own words. Imagine we're just having coffee. Tell me in your own words. What do you mean? Yep. And it, just, it relaxes them. And that pathos comes out. And then I say, that's what you want to say. Just think you're talking one-on-one with somebody, you're having coffee, you're explaining in very simple terms, tap into those emotions. And sometimes it's just as simple as that. Absolutely. Totally. I love that. In fact, what we'll do sometimes as coaches, Lori, I'm sure you can relate to this. If someone's very uptight, they're rigid, they might be overly self-conscious, maybe nervous, and they come across as very robotic or stiff, uh, well, I'll just say to them, tell me a little bit about how you ended up at this company or your children or what do you do in your downtime? And they start loosening up and being much more effusive and using vocal uh, vocal inflection and purposeful gesturing. And then I'll say, stop. That's what we're looking for here. So people boxing themselves in and not letting themselves tap into that inner pathos. And that's what we do as coaches. We let people feel safe, feel comfortable, and connect with their material and their listeners. Love that because people do think that you, some people are naturally born speakers and I do not agree. I think just a lot of it is just tapping into that pathos. If you think about the best speakers, they do that. They're telling stories. Just think about they're telling stories, sitting around the fire. Absolutely. Cavemen or whatever. <laughs> women. Cave women. Cave women. Thank you. Cave, Cave queens. queens. Cave queens. Sitting around just talking, telling stories. And that's what people remember, correct? Exactly. Well, it's funny. I'll get a um, occasionally with a with a training, especially with a large company, they might have a, a sheet that everyone fills out at the end. You know, what was the best part of the training? What do you have for recommendations, et cetera? Mm-hmm. And nine times out of 10, uh, I'll... I'll see one that says, I love the stories. (laughs) 
okay. Yeah, just listening to, to the, each other's stories. And we have plenty yeah. of those. We should be sharing more on the, our podcast here, and we will. Yeah. All right, fantastic. Well, that's corporate storytelling. If you'd like to learn more, please reach out to us. We'd be more than help, happy to help you uh, develop your inner story and or your company story. Now we'd like to move to the portion of the podcast in which we critique a speaker and Tulsi Gabbard. Iowa Democrats, it's so good to be here with all of you. Thank you for all of your hard work and a huge congratulations goes out to all of your deserving honorees. You know, our nation was founded on the principles of a government that should be of the people, by the people, and for the people. But that's not what we have today. Instead, what we see is a government that is of, by, and for the rich and powerful, leaving we the people behind. This must end. As your president and commander-in-chief, I'll bring right. the spirit of service. So here's a sample of the forgotten candidate. And I specifically wanted to cover her because I think that Tulsi is an excellent speaker. But I'd like to get your input, Queens, as to why. Lori, what are your thoughts? Okay. okay. I really can hear, because remember I'm here um, not in the studio with the other Queens. I can hear a beautiful tone to her voice. And I can tell you, a lot of women professionals I work with would die for her vocal tone. They're either too high or the voice is a little too thin. So she really has mastered, or maybe she was born with it, the art of using good resonance. I'd also say her speech clarity is good. To me, tell me if you agree, I think she could use like 25% more oops. Mm-hmm. Yes, like more, yeah, more, yeah. like and, and variation in her speed. Absolutely, and overall, great woman speaker. Yeah. I think she is the model of a of a political female speaker in the sense that mm. she's very controlled. She has an excellent rate of speech. She comes across as very confident. Mm-hmm. If I were coaching her, I would encourage her to vary and increase her nonverbal gesturing. Mm. Mm, yeah, because see, Tori and I being here in the studio, we can can see. She's yeah. muting it a little bit. She's keeping it low. Mm. Uh, but I agree with Lori in the sense that there's a real nice balance of passion, but it's not strident. I and, and it just I don't. This could be a whole nother topic and a whole yeah. nother uh, podcast for us. But when you get to gender and you mm. compare her to the other female candidates. You know, such as Elizabeth Warren, uh, it, she's just a lot more calm, cool, and collected. Mm. Very true. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. Right. I'm interested in on uh, Dave's impression if he has one. I'm sorry, I don't do impressions, Laurie. I'm more of a you know improv comedy uh-huh. guy. Okay. So, <laughs> no. Um. Yeah. I think her delivery, demeanor, and appearance is was not her problem. Her appearance is terrific. She's smartly dressed. And she's got some color in what she's wearing, and she's a colorful speaker. And so she sticks out. And as a man, I'll tell you, or, or as a person, I'll tell you, she's attractive. She's, mm, yeah, she yeah, was, yeah. The, she was, she was the, and she used, and she doesn't flaunt it, but she certainly uses it to her advantage. She looks both attractive and very capable. Uh-huh. And um, professional. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, so yeah, I give her straight A's. 
I agree. Now, let me ask you a very provocative question. What was it about Elizabeth Warren that turned people off potentially in her approach and her speaking style? I have to like apologize before I say this, but she rubs me the wrong way. I feel like I shouldn't be saying that because it's it's kind of a Massachusetts. Like, oh, no, she rubs me the wrong way. A group waiting outside to beat you down. Well, no, I mean, well, she <laughs> didn't. She didn't even, sadly, she didn't even carry this state, right? I know. But yeah. she she suffers, and I think Tulsi is is a little better in, in this regard. I, I know her personally. That's why I call her Tulsi. Um, but but yeah. but um, Elizabeth Warren was is a strong candidate, but I think she suffered from that. Um, sort of repetition, um, not quite robotic, but definitely she sounded like she was reading from scripts often going back to her main points. And I just want to tell you this. I just want to tell you this. Mm-hmm. Right. And I saw her on the Stephen Colbert show. They they sat down and they had uh, like lunch together at some southern spot. And she was much more natural and relaxed. And, and I got to tell you, she was great. So, so I think some people get in front, get behind the podium and they, they run, they commit the crime of going into this programmatic, you know, programmed. Well, you bring up an excellent point, Dave. So Lori and I have actually talked about this in the past. Political candidates, Lori, correct me if I'm wrong, tend, tend to be overcoached. I think what happens is, see, I always have trouble differentiating. Let's take uh, Mayor Pete and Elizabeth Warren. I'm gonna just going to say, I think they're both brilliant. Now, are they overcoat or they're just that articulate and fluent? But yes, okay, so I want to differentiate, Tori, thanks for the question, because it's very, very important. The difference between being prepared and scripted, let's say, and sounding that way, does that make any sense? Absolutely. And I think also with political candidates, you have different type of handlers. So you have all these people saying, well, make sure you say it this way. Make sure you mention that. Make sure you don't say that. And then you're you're so that's what I mean by overcoach, like too much advice. Yeah. And just there's sort of interpreting. They want to get their points across, which you want to get across, but just in a more authentic way that they just they become too scripted, too robotic, too scripted and hamstrung almost. And the other thing I think about Elizabeth, and I know this is so unpopular to say, and as a woman, I hate to say it, but she does come across as too strident, meaning it's like I'm in fifth grade and she's screaming at the class saying, I am not going to begin until everyone is seated in their <laughs> chairs and facing me. Mm. And that's just the image mm-hmm. that Very was true. popping mm-hmm. into Very my true. mind yep. whenever I would see her speak. So we would have to work on softening that. And, you know, Dave, it's interesting you bring up that you saw her in another environment out having lunch. We whoever's coaching her should find that in her. And it almost makes a perfect circle in terms of what we started with. What's Elizabeth Warren's story? Mm. What resonates yeah. with her? Why is she doing this? What gets her out of bed on in the morning? What gets her to the debate stage? What keeps her going and fighting? She proposes that she fi- she's a fighter. Explain to us how. Tell us the mm. stories of how you became a fighter. Love yeah, that. I've heard a lot of her stories um, growing up in Oklahoma and, you know, being a uh, having whatever it is, three brothers. But I think you're bringing up a good point, And I'm just, you know, I'm always trying to put on this lens of is there a gender bias? And, and I'm realizing my preference is just for a calmer person. So, for example, I mean, Sanders and, and um and Elizabeth are, are Elizabeth. I shouldn't say Sanders and Elizabeth. Okay, I caught myself. Okay, <laughs> Bernie and Elizabeth. They're both, you know, great candidates in a lot of ways. But 
their particular style of being, shall we say, over the top at times. Right. Maybe is is not my. I think everyone has a preference for the style that they like. Now, in terms of underprepared, we're not going to get into Donald Trump. But yeah, because he, he's, he's I don't think he's a person who listens to handlers and maybe apparently is to is to his benefit. Well, he goes off. See, you can tell he goes off the teleprompter. And I'm sure some of his handlers are like, oh, no. Oh, no. Because he, <laughs> he's over the top, too. Yeah, it's true. But he does. Yes, I think. But what makes him resonate with half of the country mm-hmm. is that he's just who he is and mm-hmm. it's authentic mm-hmm. and this is what you're getting. So, yep. All right. Fabulous. Well, this has been an absolutely wonderful experience to, to sit down with the four of you and Lori with you virtually and uh, talk a little bit about the advantages of corporate storytelling. So I urge all of you to go out there, find your inner pathos, find what makes you passionate about what you do, incorporate it into your presentations, into your business presentations, into your sales presentations, and communicate with impact. Thank you so much for listening to the Speech Queens podcast, and we will see you next time. All the best for continued communication with impact. To get in touch with the Speech Queens, check the show notes for this episode for all of their contact information or visit pod617.com slash queens where you will find more information about the queens and the full library of podcasts. Thanks for listening.
To get in touch with the Speech Queens, check the show notes for this episode for all of their contact information or visit pod617.com slash queens where you will find more information about the Queens and the full library of podcasts. Thanks for listening.